To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you. So this will be our final episode of 2019. It also happens to be our 200th episode as Eastman's Elevated. Man, that's so wild. I'm I'm so humbled by the success of our podcast and uh, so humbled by the support of you guys. Um, this has just been such an awesome venture for me. I mean, I... I had this idea for a podcast and started it in my basement, and uh, it, it's it's just grown and evolved from there. I was able to partner with, with Eastman's, and they've given me 100% support, and to be able to grow this podcast together with them, it's just meant the world to me, and I, I feel like we've really found our footing and found our niche and our place in the market, and it's it's bringing next-level hunting information to you guys, but the, the podcast is not just about next-level hunting information. I mean, it's what we all love to do, me included, but really, it's, a, it's about the passion, and it's about the adventure, and it's about you know, having this, this bigger purpose or this thing that you, you want to put in all this effort and work towards and, and get better at, and then to have this chance to test your skills and, and, and to be able to test yourself as a human being, both mentally and physically, uh, it, it just means the world to me. And I know it means the world to you guys. And that's why this podcast has succeeded. And I just want to continue to bring you, you know, that, that information and that passion and, and, you know, help, you know, I want to help you guys with your journey and also share my journey along the way, but I am just loving every step of it. I love the process and, uh, it, it's just been a godsend to be able to, to share it with you guys. And, and I couldn't have partnered with a better company. Um, Eastman's has such a rich history in, in the Western hunting industry and, uh, they're just great guys that, that have given me support of this podcast from start to finish. And, um, I couldn't have scripted this 200th episode any better than to sit down with this core group of Eastmans and just have this authentic, genuine conversation. When I when I set out to do the podcast, those were some of the biggest elements I wanted it wanted to be in it. Is I wanted it to be real, genuine. I wanted it to be authentic, and that's exactly what this episode is. And so I get the core group of guys together. I've got Ike Eastman. I've got Guy Eastman. I've got uh, Brandon Mason, Todd Helms, I've got Dan Picard and Scott Reekers on the podcast, and then I'm on there as well. And uh, we just sit down and we talk over the past year, um, things we have going on at Eastman's, but then we talk about adventures we've been on. We talk a lot about like finding that that epically good hunting and and everybody in the room found it in one way or another this season, and it's just really fun to hear guys share that throughout the podcast and have a conversation. Plus they're just such fun guys to, to hang out with. And so to get this authentic podcast where there's ribbing and teasing and uh, there's laughing and um, man, I mean, my stomach hurt by the time I got done with the podcast, it was just such a fun one. So uh, it's, it's the perfect podcast for our 200th episode. I can't thank Eastman's enough. I can't thank you guys enough for the support of the podcast. Um, it truly is humbling. 
uh, I also want to thank our sponsors. So we have the the best sponsors in the industry, and I truly believe they build the best gear for for hunting or for outdoors that's available out there. And so I use all this gear exclusively on my hunts, and that's why you know when I do a read or I do a promotion, it's so uh, a heartfelt and and real to me because um, you know. It means a lot to me that these sponsors would would stand and stand behind the podcast and give us their support, and uh, you know, to be able to use this gear and then share it with you guys, it just means the world to me. So I really appreciate their support, and I really appreciate you guys. Well, if you're in the market for anything new this season, make sure to to check out our sponsors and what they offer and and hopefully it's the right fit for you but but at least look at these companies and what they offer because they really do offer the the best in the business so i just want to take a minute and and thank all our sponsors uh individually so i want to thank uh eberly stock iota outdoors matthews bows sig sour optics i want to thank sitka sportsman's warehouse swagger bipods Tech New, Yeti Coolers, Zamberlin Boots, Evolution Outdoors, High Mountain Seasonings, Onyx Maps, and Taito Knives. Uh, they truly offer the best products in the industry, and I'm really proud to represent these companies. Um, so thanks to you guys for all your continued support of the podcast and also our sponsors. Um, I really appreciate it. Over at Eastman's, we talk about it. We've got a great Beyond the Grid coming out this week. Um, I saw my final elk edit from my elk hunting from this season that'll be uh, on the Outdoor Channel uh, on Eastman's Hunting TV. Um, just what an awesome edit. What an awesome episode. I really think it's the the best I've ever done. Uh, portraying the hunt, portraying the adventure, the excitement, and then also like showcasing spot and stalking elk. Uh, a lot of these videos out there are our calls and believe me calling elk is one of the most thrilling ways to hunt them but i've got this this new i wouldn't even say new but i've got you know this evolved tactic of spot and stalking elk and being silent and hunting the herd bulls that that i i truly believe is one of the the best ways to effectively hunt big herd bulls and to be able to showcase that on a video or on a show is really cool to me. So I'll let you guys know when that's coming out, when I get some dates, but super pumped at the way that came out. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to the new year. Um, I just finished up. I did like uh, a quick three-day um, down hunting late season muleys here after Christmas. Uh, my unit, there was a unit that was uh, still open, went down there, just had an amazing experience in the deep snow, big mountains, chased some really good bucks around. Man, I had it's really wide 30 incher and I had them in bow range a couple different times but there was multiple bucks and does and I kept getting held up or I'd have to freeze and I'd have to stay still for 20 minutes in the cold and snow as they kind of fed by me or fed up above me just trying to look for an opportunity this buck but I I really got a lot of excitement and got to chasing things around I think I got well I got I got days I got days in multiple different states late season. It's just been an absolutely awesome season, like filled with passion and adventure, exactly what I love for a season. Lots of time with family and friends and 
um, some successes, some failures. Man, I just I couldn't have drawn it up any better. Um, I just absolutely love this this sport of Western hunting and um, sharing it with you guys. And um, look forward to 2020 and um, started off right here with a trip to to Arizona, go chase some mule deer and some coos around. So really looking forward to that. I'm gonna go down with my good buddy Dan. He should be down this week too. I want to get him back on the podcast and. Uh, do a recording with him. But we got some great ones coming up, including this one. Uh, Let me stop blabbering on here and uh, let's get this podcast started. So this is with the Eastman's crew. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated, 200 episodes, if you can believe that. That's just crazy to me anyways. Um, Thank you guys so much for the support. I really appreciate it. Here's the podcast. Okay, here we go. 200th episode. So um, we've been doing this Eastman Elevated podcast for a while. We got the Eastman's crew over here. So you guys hired a pretty good podcast host and a horrible <laughs> technical <laughs> audio. <laughs> I've had to learn as I go, but uh, we got everything up and fire now. So we've got everybody on mic, uh, the whole Eastman's crew. Thanks a bunch, you guys, for taking all the time. Hey, you bet. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us, Brian. Man, this has been awesome, huh? The Eastman yeah. Elevated, the podcast, yeah. and getting this, watching it grow, pick up steam, and uh, pick up support. Man, this has been a really cool venture. This has been a fun adventure. When you came to us, I don't know, a couple of years ago and said, I'm doing this. Do you guys want to sponsor it? And uh, Scott and I kicked it around and said, uh, how about we just work together really close and uh, worked out a deal. And this has been, it's been a lot of fun. Actually, you've got good conversations and good audience and the sponsors are awesome and it's been uh you know it's been a, a fun adventure i appreciate all your hard work brian you know we'd love to sit around and take all the credit but you're the one you're the workhorse on this thing we're just uh just happy to be here well man i've had all the support belief in me i've screwed up along the ways i missed recordings we had audio trained to figure out that today so no i appreciate you guys believing in the podcast, believing in me and the product we're putting out. And we built like this, this great niche in the podcast yeah. industry. So it's just been super. I, I've enjoyed my relationship with every one of you guys too. You guys do so good on the podcast. It's so nice to have you on. So to get everybody in a room where we can tell a few stories, man, this is great. Mm-hmm. Maybe we got to, maybe we got to go around and, and uh, <coughs> introduce everybody so that the audience knows whose voice is whose. And then we'll play a game with Guy and I because nobody can tell the difference. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that's a great point. I think that is good. Uh, Ike, why don't you start? Just introduce yourself and uh, what you do at Eastman's, and then we'll just go around the table. Uh, Ike Eastman, and uh, appreciate you putting me on here. Um, at Eastman's, I'm the grunt gopher. I do everything. Every, every day is a different adventure. It's been a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, just Thanks for coming down and doing this, Brian. You handle all the problems and issues, I see. <laughs> they all go to your desk, yeah. I think. My wife thinks I have, I have a, I'm a firefighter is what she really thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Brandon. Uh, Brandon Mason. I'm obviously the pretty face of the company. <laughs> <laughs> pretty ugly. Pretty something. I <laughs> uh, no, I handle uh, a lot of advertising, sponsorship things, uh, get to do some writing and a little bit of video stuff here and there. So, yeah, just enjoy every part of it get to wear a lot of different hats perfect todd 
Uh, Todd Helms, and I'm the mathematician of the of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> and all the bookkeeping goes through my office. Only thing on that is true is you can spell it. Yeah, that's about <laughs> the only thing. Um, now, uh, the editor, edit the magazine, get to work closely with Brian and all the articles he sends in. Uh, that's a lot of fun, and I get to be a part of the the everyday nuts and bolts of the company and, and the magazine, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great place you, to work. Thanks for having me on. You're also the head wing nut. Yeah, yeah, I get to do all the wingmen things, and that's that's a good time. So Man, it's been good. Duck hunting's been good lately, it's huh? It's been really good, yeah. yeah. We could use some nasty weather, but that's okay. The birds are here, and it's been good. Right on. Dan, my right-hand man, you always help me out on the podcast. Introduce yourself. Oh, yeah, it's always fun. Dan Picard. Uh, I, I do a little bit of everything here at Eastman's, but a lot of bow hunting, a lot of gear stuff, videos, and most importantly for me, as of recent, is Beyond the Grid, our online digital TV series, uh, YouTube, Amazon, Waypoint TV. So that's been fun and kind of a, a new endeavor like – uh, Easton's Elevated was a couple of years ago. So. Actually, they started. I it's thought they started yeah. the same month. Yeah. yeah, within within a and, couple weeks. And Wingman yeah. too. It was all. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, don't know, I drank a lot that month. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beyond the Grid has been doing awesome, man. The it's internet fun. TV show. It's evolved over the like all of these uh, different platforms that we run, but it's evolved over the last couple of years. Yep. Man, you guys are putting out some really good episodes and. Uh, Brandon Mason, your son's on this this week's episode, right? Yeah, that's kind of cool. He was 13 last year. He shot his first mule deer, and uh, that show's running. And it was uh, it was good to see it how the show's progressed. You know, since since it started, and for me as a father, it was neat to see him on there. Now it's a year later, and just to see how much a kid changes when they're in their teens like that, he doesn't even look like the same person. It's funny. Oh, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure. Scott, you're up next. You, so you've been my right-hand man on the <laughs> podcast, but I know that's not your title at Eastman's. My official title is Digital Media Director. Uh, one might assume, based on the jokes around the office, unofficial llama wrangler. Um, <laughs> that Ike and I kind of got that with the, the llama trip. And it wasn't even our idea. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I came um, up with the idea, and they get made fun of it for it. So I that's mean, perfect. Win-win for him. Yeah. <laughs> so... Anything that happens digitally, um, there's probably some role, gopher, that I played to help get it out and get it in front of people and things of that nature. So um, work real close with Brian. Like every week we talk at least once, um, talk about the podcast. Uh, we both listen to the podcast before it goes out, and and so we're we're very intimately involved. Or want to talk about new projects right now? And no, Let's keep going. We'll get okay. there. Yep. Okay. One more. Final seat at the table, guy. <laughs> Uh, Guy Eastman, I do a little bit of everything, mostly shovel the walks, clean the trucks, <laughs> <laughs> take out the trash. Yeah, yeah. And, and A1 wingnut critic. <laughs> There's always that hater. <laughs> if you don't have haters, you're not doing it right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That is right. I don't do birds. <laughs> You might have got that from your dad. Yeah. Mike didn't seem too excited about it either. He might be critic number two. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, we I don't feed know. off each other probably. Last weekend, we, we, he went. He was going to oh, go fishing, he, and he fishing was horrible. He's just like, I should have went with you guys down to the blind. I, I about fell off my bar stool. I was like, yep. what? <laughs> He's kicked out of the critic crew. <laughs> <laughs> He's having second thoughts. Uh, well, it is fun getting out there. Birds have been flying good. Uh, wingman's doing really good, huh? Yeah, it is. It is. It's we've been 
nice steady growth. Um, appreciate you asking. Um, it's good to see, you know, the YouTube counts go up. It seems like every every video we release, we get a little a few more views, which is really cool. And mm -hmm. it's nice to know that you're producing stuff that people want to watch. Mm -hmm. And so that's it's a lot, of, and it's a lot of fun doing it. So, mm -hmm. and believe it or not, one of these days. I'll drag Guy to the blind. It'll happen. <laughs> I have a field across the street from my house, so I text Todd when the birds are in there. Yep. My wife was like, are you going out there with them? I said, no. <laughs> no way. I've been cold and wet enough this fall. <laughs> yep. Yep. Actually, I was, in, I was in the blind with Todd last weekend. He's a, a wealth of knowledge. Oh, it's a good time. We, we had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and, and uh, kill, I actually killed a teal. First time I've killed one. Oh, yep. did you? Blue yep. winged? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a green winger. Or green wing, yeah. Green no, wing. green took wing. it home, and, and uh, my youngest daughter and I fried it up immediately and ate it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Got a little snack, huh? Oh, yeah. She thought that was great. She's, she, she wanted to go kill more of those so <laughs> which is yeah, good how cool of course she wanted to eat the freaking there's a deer that got hit on our road the other day she wanted to pull over and eat him too so <laughs> i don't know what she, that's she's saying. a meat eater i don't know <laughs> yeah. a little tiny seven-year-old skinny girl that likes meat whatever <laughs> I, say, I don't know if that's a compliment for a wingman or <laughs> yeah right she just wants to eat anything roadkill <laughs> Ike raises girls on roadkill. I yeah. do. There's nothing wrong with that. It's free. Yeah. As long as it's still somewhat warm. <laughs> right. That's all right. Cut off the bruise parts. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a lot of things in the works. We were talking about it this morning. Ike, maybe you can – you were telling me about a, a tag process yeah. that we got going. We got a couple other things in the works. Maybe you can start with that. Yeah. I don't want to – I don't want to put the goose uh, – horse before the cart here but uh, we have a lot of stuff coming down the pipe in 2020 um we've got uh, a new tag process it's going to take the rmrs that's in the back of the magazines and uh, digitize them and and make it uh, searchable and have maps that are incorporated in it and uh, you know it's time and, and the the technology's there and we've partnered with a couple really cool companies to uh to do that and so that's coming down the pipe um, we have uh, actually we were just recording a podcast with my dad and we talked about old hunting stories and we have a project that we're working on about mule deer and kind of the the title working title is what a mule deer taught me and you know we have all the old videos and, and video from the 80s and video from way before that the 60s and photos and so we're gonna put in, in a short film and, and work with Wyoming Game of Fish and the Migration Initiative and just talk about, you know, the, the state of mule deer and, and hopefully get the word out there that, that there's some trouble and there's some, some help that the hunters can lend to uh, not just to the science, but to hopefully help turn this around. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so those, those are some cool things we got. Of course, we've got uh, the Bow Hunting Journal. Um, we added to start with some of you guys have probably seen it the ebj extra which is taking some of the content from that we would normally put in the magazines and uh, putting it out through a v via email seems like everybody's reading emails these days and uh, it occurred to me one night that this uh you know people still read the content that's not the thing it's just how it's getting delivered so you know, we're, we're doing that, which which will be fun. I've gear, it has all the same things. It's got feature stories and gear reviews and tips and tactics, and it's got trophy heads in it. Uh, it's got some uh, some added things that haven't come to fruition yet because I'm just kind of waiting for time for 2020. But, yeah, am I missing stuff? I'm sure I'm missing things. 
Oh, I'm sure we'll cover it. Uh, boy, your dad's one of a kind. It broke the mold when they made that guy, didn't they? <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> no, no. no. Oh, man, those stories he told this morning, that was such a great podcast yeah. we recorded with him. I can't wait to release it. That's the best one I've ever done with him. Yeah. He was just in true form. Like, we went over to his place, into his living room there, and, um, yeah, we just uh, – it's always good to have you sit in and um, – Man, just a great conversation, just about everything he's passionate about, and yeah. I think that's what I like so much about it, like talking about his photography, the start at Eastman's, and then getting into some of those mule deer stories were just awesome. The one where he about froze to death, and you were about – you almost didn't get born from no, that one. Yeah, huh? you, guy was, I think Guy was one, we figured out. Guy was one, and if, if he would have died, if my uncle wouldn't have picked him up, I, I, I wouldn't be here today, so – that's probably why it's my favorite story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was wild. That was such a great one. Yeah, and that that tag. Um, what what is it called again? Say it for me. Uh, uh, we're calling it Tag Hub. Tag Hub. Yep. Yeah, that Tag Hub. What a great idea! Like with everybody trying to learn, you know, which tags are quality and um, which units are quality for which species they want to hunt to to provide a. Uh, an ongoing service for that that's just awesome i yeah, think that's going to do well yeah i really got to give it to to guy and scott this has been their their baby and uh, we have a, a a good group of mrs riders behind it and a good group of you know that's guy's side and a good group of developers and stuff on on scott's side that um, i've seen the the start of it and uh, it's it's pretty freaking cool. It's be it's way better than anything out there Man. so far. Well, that I think um, you gave me an advanced copy of it, so mm -hmm. I think I've actually looked at it. Yes. Um, yeah, it is absolutely awesome. I want it for my personal use. But yeah, that MRS, that that um, what what a great addition to the hunting community. You know, I'm a new age hunter, and I probably I pretty much learned all these units and species and where to go from the MRS, and then my my personal research, but it, it's a major resource for Western hunter hunting. It's, um, it, it's just such a great deal that, that we put out that I think really helps guys get a feel for out West and gives them the confidence to go on a hunt and be successful. Yeah, and this, this is going to take it to a whole new level because it, it's going to make it, um, you know, it's not just a, a flat piece of paper where you have to drum through it. You know, you have search criteria and you have maps and you'll be able to look at you know, whatever area in whatever Western state and actually look at it on a map in satellite imagery. And it's going to be really neat, really, really neat. So awesome. And the beauty is it's going to be much more sortable. Like, so you'll be able to sort through different data points and every state is different. That's honestly the biggest challenge in walking That's why other that. people haven't done it. It's because yeah. every state is so unique that it's been, you know, it has been a, a headache. And, so, and, It'll be, you know, and Guy can speak to the power of this, but being able to sort and look at different units inside your home state plus the states that you're applying in and then know which tags you can get based on um, the points that you have or, or understand your probability in a place like Nevada with the bonus point system. I mean, there's so many little pieces that this is going to open up opportunity for many hunters. Man. Yeah, what what a great new deal for Eastman's. Yeah, that's super. Yeah, good work on that, Scott. Well, thanks. Well, like guys, guys the guys the brainchild behind the MRS and putting this into a digital form that um, that works really well for hunters. He's been intimately involved with. Hmm. Man, awesome. Well, uh, we've had quite a bit of success around the office and uh, maybe some mishaps. Um, boy, I, I I'd like to get into it so. 
uh, uh, traveling's always tricky around West, getting to these different units. The the hunts, it seems like, uh, never go as planned. It's always weather or, um, it, you know, if it isn't the weather, it's hunting pressure or it's deer. But we've had a lot of success around the office. All of you guys had. Brandon, maybe you can start with uh, Hunter. He's got the, the new episode on Beyond the Grid. So he's 14 now, and he's got an episode on TV. He's got quite a start in the outdoor industry. Yeah, he sure does. He's been... Such a, a lucky little fart, too, for drawing <laughs> tags. I, that deer tag that he drew last year, I think I've been putting in for that for eight years. <laughs> Haven't drawn it yet. Okay, um, it's like a 3%, or maybe it's less than that. I don't remember. Yeah, the percentage of drawing, uh, the odds of drawing are really low. Of course, in Wyoming, we don't have resident preference points or bonus points or anything, so it's just luck of the draw every year. But um, I was actually more excited that he drew it probably than if I would have drawn it. And I grew up hunting um, some phenomenal mule deer country in western North Dakota in the Badlands. And, and it was during one of the high points of, of mule deer numbers historically. And I was really worried that my kids wouldn't get to experience that. And so the fact that he drew that tag last year, I was extremely excited. And, and he shot a, a pretty nice buck, which is, you know, on that episode of Beyond the Grid. And then this year he draws his first elk tag and uh, drew a, a limited quota elk tag here in the state of Wyoming, shot a beautiful bull. And I told him, I said, you're, you're not going to probably draw anything for like 10 years. I said, you'll be, you'll be 24 years old before you get to hunt I, again. If he draws something else, I'm going party with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no That's what I should start doing, except for I ruin everybody's luck for everything. <laughs> Guys yeah. always call not drawing tags getting brandoed, so that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> getting brandoed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that Beyond the Grid episode that we're airing now with uh, Hunter's Deer on it, it was really, it was, it was a short time frame really it was only a few days but uh, I, I i used to antelope hunt that area a little bit and i had a way into some public land um that saved a lot of time and i was expecting to be able to utilize that again and when we got out there we had to relocate a whole wall tent set up once um we weren't allowed through the private land we used to go through um it's uh, the the old rancher that used to let us through he's passed on and uh, they're, they're, his family's not letting anybody through because of liability reasons. And, um, and we just we weren't finding any deer in, until that one that we found for him. And so and actually, Dan was on the hunt. I mean, Dan was with us on that. So it was pretty cool. And uh, Dan ran the video camera and everything. And it was it was a good time. It was a lot of fun seeing pulling the trigger on that. And I was so proud as a dad to, you know, you're, you're a little nervous when you're you know, younger teenage kid is pulling a high power rifle trigger on a big game animal and hoping that they'll make a quick, you know, humane, ethical kill. And he just dropped that buck and it was way farther than what we wanted. Um, and not that it was a, a long range shot, you know, quote unquote, but they, um, I told him going into the hunt, I didn't want him to shoot anything past 200 yards. And, of course, we'd be ranging it for him. And, you know, and he's still, I mean, we all get buck fever, but he's still at that age where, I mean, major hyperventilating, <laughs> freaking out, can't hold still, losing his, Todd saw that on the elk on a little bit this year. Oh, yeah. And, if he uh, didn't, I'd be worried. Right. I mean, it's, that's, that's you know, it's cool to see him get that excited. And um, the closest we could really get to this open sagebrush hillside is about three, I think we ranged it with 308, 308 yards or something yeah, like that, 306. It's a heck of a shot. And, and I, and we sat down, we thought if he can get 100% absolutely stable, there's no wind, the sun was at our advantage, he didn't know we were there, everything was perfect. And I told him, I said, if you are rock solid, steady, you can shoot. If not, 
we got it's night nine o'clock in the morning we, we got all day i mean we m- he might give us a better opportunity and dan and i knew he was ready when he was first he's like dad i can't i can't hold it yet i can't get home and then i'm like just calm down remember your breathing all of a sudden he goes you on him i'm like oh god dan are you on him? <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna shoot and uh, he did he dropped him in his tracks it was pretty cool really cool that is so cool yeah We've uh, had a couple good episodes of Beyond the Grid lately. Actually, this that's the third one, right, Dan? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the other ones? Uh, your elk hunt. That's right, my elk with, from last yeah, year. With yeah, with grizzly bears and then Jordan's Montana bull. I love that bad. episode of Jordan's hunt. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we get to approve all these shows before they go out to the public, and we, you know, edit them for various reasons, you know, advertising and and uh, closed captioning stuff and make sure everything's good to go footage wise and and uh you know it's a good show when you're glued to the screen like i found myself like six inches from my computer screen just anticipating the next move like what's going to happen i forgot i was supposed to be helping edit the show and that's a good show Mm you're turned it off from editor to audit yeah in fact the first time brian that i that i helped edit one of your articles years ago when you first started writing for us um, um, Adam Bender came into my office and he said, hey, can you look through this? I'm kind of swamped. This is one of our new uh, potential staff writers, and he wrote this Mueller article. And halfway through the article, I realized I was highlighting and taking notes instead of editing. <laughs> and I, I'm like, this guy's a good writer. we got to keep him on board. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, then we got a cat one coming out. It's yeah. not out yet, but it will be. Oh, yeah, is that by guy? the time this airs, it will be. Yeah. It's Guy's Hunt. Guy, yeah, you like hunting cats, don't you, Guy? <laughs> He's the cat. Yeah, I've gotten into that. I've become a cat specialist. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a cat lady in training. <laughs> 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 no, you go through phases, I think, as a hunter a lot of times. Some guys get stuck in a sheep rut, and I'm in a cat rut now. So. <laughs> you love chasing those big toms, huh? The yeah. deep snow? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Watching the dogs work, I guess that's where I my little wingnut side comes out. (laughs) 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 But it's addicting. It's addicting. Yeah. And do you have a good tag this year? Another tag of Montana up. That's what I thought. Libby up on the the Canadian border. Oh, they grow them big up there, too. That's a chance at a real giant. That's a chance at a real giant. And it's not a quota. It's a limited quota area, so there's no quota to shut down. So you can hunt the whole season, clear till April. Take your time. Oh, wow. When are you going to start hunting it? It's to draw it. Uh. It opens uh, December 1st. So okay. I'll probably go up around New Year's mm-hmm. after Christmas mm-hmm. when they get some deep snow. Mm-hmm. Good on you, so. helping those unglets, that's for sure. Yep, yep. But the Colorado hunt was fun. It was a, it was a fiasco, huh? It was. Yeah. Well, th- no cat hunt is ever Scripted. without a little bit of a fiasco. Yep. Yeah, people think it's when easy with dogs. four or five dogs going, and uh, no, nah, it's not a slam dunk. No. You, you can never – predict how it's going to go you do every chase i mean i haven't been on a ton of cat hunts but every time you let those dogs out you have no idea where you're going to end up when it's all said and done it could be a 300 yard chase it could be a 13 mile chase if, yep. if you let you could it get lose your dogs Absolutely. you're gonna have to find them the next it I've just always that. seems yep. like an adventure like every time you guys go chasing cat like you say there's no telling so you guys capture yep. that all for video for beyond the grid oh yeah it's actually one of my favorite episodes Mine like too. that we've done and it's just yeah. it's outside the box and it was crazy and intense and this cat's in the culvert and dogs are in there and you can hear and dogs for like an there. hour. I mean, yeah, it's for not like a just, long time. Yeah. It was like so much adre- adrenaline going. And then 
that culvert spits out this cat going 20 miles an hour and up a tree and then guy arrows it and well and you weren't excited at all (laughs) (laughs) dan Dan, Dan doesn't get excited dan's running the camera and and when you watch the episode you'll be able to tell who's running the camera because he freaks out you know brandon was talking about being glued to the screen while we're trying to edit things when i watched that video i looked at our videographer and i said so what's that about 13 minutes long and she goes no it's almost 20 (laughs) and i thought wow because it it just moves so quickly and it's so entertaining that's my favorite beyond the grid that i've seen so far i can't wait for it to drop and see what the see what the public thinks man that's awesome that one's coming up dan yeah yeah we're gonna release that in about a week here what today's the 13th i Mm -hmm. think should so, be right before Christmas. Yeah, right before Christmas, release it. And I'm kind of with Guy. I might be on a cat kick, too, ever since that hunt. I mean, I, I may have found my new calling. I was sitting there. That cat was in that culvert with those dogs for an hour. <laughs> you called him out of there. I called that cat. I did. You did. I'm serious. You guys are laughing. The thing come blown out of there like 20 seconds later. I was just as I was one just thing you want to see a cat guy get pressured up. The dog guy, the cat hunter, is you watch a cat go in the culvert and then his dogs follow. Oh, and then oh, find yeah. out there's that no other end. Yes. Gets him on a there's, panic. There's no exit other And than that cat came out the same way he came in. Oh, and it was a three small, or four dogs. It was a small culvert. So, so he that had to cat go through the dogs. squeezed by three dogs somehow. <laughs> and one of them came out without a collar on. Yeah. The GPS collar was still in the culvert. Oh, man. And I'll tell you right now, my head was in the culvert, and you can hear the cat, wow, like a couple of those big, (laughs) giant Hollywood cat calls, you know, and then the dogs, and then silence for like three seconds. It was eerie. They were were completely silent. What's happening? What's happening? And then all of a sudden, wow, here comes the cat flying out and the dogs on Holy smokes! Tom. Dogs I was, got beat up. I was a little disappointed that you didn't, you know, take that cat right in the face with the camera. You got out of the way pretty quick. I, I know. You know I, I was like, dude, that would have been some epic footage. If I was just, on my know. game, I would have been straddling the culvert with the camera right here. Exactly. Digi's just lucky we had an Amish kid with us. He didn't have to climb up the tree. To exactly. Get the cat out. Exactly. <laughs> he sent Wes up the tree. Yeah, I was like, the cat died in the tree, and I was like, it got hung up. Yeah, yeah, it just got hung up up there, and I was like, ah. I guess I'm I'm probably going to be the guy that's going to have to climb that tree. <laughs> and then Wes was like, I'll do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was a little bit of everything on that hunt. Suspense, and we had to work for it, hunting around five days before we got snow. And Well, we it, were hunting mule deer, too, which was interesting, with a bow. Yeah. Ike was hunting yeah. mule deer, so we were hunting kind of a, a different combo hunt than you normally see because yeah. you're hunt, hunting the hunters and the hunted, the mule deer and the cats. It was fun. Well, yeah. Nike, you arrowed a good buck down there too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was the, uh, it was one week of a lot of death. Actually, it was it was a lot of fun. Big deer and these guys on the cat hunt when it after it snowed and it, it was pretty neat. That cat killed bull in there too. Yeah, he killed a, a really nice six point bull elk, um, which people are like, oh, they only eat the the sick and the lame. I don't know, six point bull elk's pretty not lame. He's a big bull. Man. And they have stories down there. The cat guy Johnny has stories where he watched he watched a, a like a three forty bull running through the oak brush with a cat on his back and it ended up in the bottom and the cat killed it. Jeez. I mean wow. you just think of the power that of it. It wasn't even a big cat, it was a female. No. Hundred and ten pound female. What a rode predator. that bull to the bottom. That's and you look at and he said, You look at this that oak brush and it looked like he took a D eight cat down it. Just tore all up. 
There's no granola cruncher in Colorado that's going to choke out a 180-pound Tomcat. I'll tell you that right now. Right now. I can tell you that. Having skinned some of these, I'll tell you that right well, that now. Was a, that was a kitty, wasn't it? That that yeah, it was, like, it was a 32-pound kitten. kitten or something. Yeah. Yeah. A 32-pound kitten. My toddler weighs more than that. Oh, man. Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, um, some great Beyond the Grids. I bet you're excited to release them. Dan, you aired yeah. a heck of a bowl this year, man. That was a dream bowl. Yeah. That's going to make an awesome episode, huh? That will, yeah. That'll be a 2020 release, and, yeah, that was kind of one of those hunts that you, if you're into elk hunting enough and you do enough elk hunts and you're always trying to find new ways to do one, and this was one of those years where we had the opportunity to go just me and my camera guy with the horses, and we ended up just me and him back there and 10 miles in and – and uh, going for it, and it was definitely a, a unique, one-of-a-kind hunt that I've never experienced before, and that's what it's all about to me is a new experience like that and maybe do something that you haven't done before. And uh, You mean like decoying an elk with a, with a horse? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know elk hunting could be so easy. <laughs> you know you're back in pretty untouched country when the bull elk are coming up to the horses yeah. trying to entice them into a love affair. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was crazy. We just hit – Great dates, great timing with the rut, a lot of bulls in there. And that the weather, that, that's the no Missouri breaks hunt. No, no. It was rugged, and we encountered everything from windstorms and the burn. We were a little sketched out about and rain huh. and snow and sleet and horse wrecks. And, I mean, you name it. We did see a fair amount of grizzly bear tracks, never ran into any bears. But uh, they're back there. I mean, it's it's the Wild West. the first week first part of september yeah yeah i think it was like september 6th or something i killed that no 7th 8th i killed the bull in the ninth so yeah still pretty early never easy that burn is sketchy in the wind oh, yeah. isn't it yeah. once you have trees that start toppling over and those burns are so big i can remember getting in this burn area and i was hiking out so i started in the morning and i was i had to make my way through about 10 miles of burn and then that wind came up in the afternoon, and there was trees crashing everywhere, just yeah. blowing down. And so, you know, I, I just kept looking. I had so much anxiety because every time I'd relax for a second, I'd hear another one fall and turn around, you know. But, yeah, that wind and those burns, that is dangerous. Yeah, it's it's bad. And I was When I worked for the Forest Service, I was I had a crew in the backcountry, and, and we went through a burn in, during a windstorm, and – and one of my crew guys, a tree fell onto his horse, and he bailed just in the nick of time. But the tree karate chopped that horse right across the saddle. And so, like, it it's like ever since then, I just – I hate it. I hate it. it. It's a nightmare to me. So if it's going to get windy or if it's nasty, we either have to get to a meadow ASAP or find some green timber, one or the other, because it's just a death trap in there. And people die every year. I mean, oh, this yeah. is a real thing. 10,000-acre booby trap. It is. <coughs> and it is. Libby, Montana, one year, there's a burn. Some hikers got karate chopped by a couple trees in a burn, mm. dead. Wow. It's like it happens all the time. And it happened another Forest Service casualty on the eastern front there by Sh Shoto. A, mm. a tree fell on a packer when he was riding up, deader than a doornail. It's like photos wow. of bull elk. Yeah, that too. Yeah, pinned yep. to the ground. No, that's one of the biggest backcountry uh, risks back there. I mean, you want to talk about something way more common than a lightning strike. I was going to say, you're probably way more apt to get killed by a tree than you are. Lightning, lightning. or a grizzly bear. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that stuff, it's, it's serious business. And you really have to be careful back there, especially when it's just a couple guys back there. And we see, we get photos in the magazine, people setting their camps, camps up, up in, in there. there. Yeah. 
Oh, we yeah, found this yeah. great burn to camp in. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They call them Widowmakers for cage? a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and not only the – even the, the regular timber can be dangerous. I know every yeah. spot yeah. I camp, I always look up. Yeah. And it seems yeah. like every place where I want to set my tent, there's a tree just leaning <laughs> right over it that's yeah. just death waiting to fall yep. on me. But, yeah, you got to be uh, conscientious of that in the backcountry. That's a danger that's not really talked about or brought up much. But you're right. People die all the time. All and the it time. can happen at the snap of a finger, too. It happened this yeah. year. There was a guy – out here in one, I don't remember which state it was, but there was a guy that very thing, and I think he was from Wisconsin, and his tree fell on his tent middle of the night and killed him. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that stuff happens. We I had we had that when we went on your backpack elk hunt this year. We kind of set up and we were in a hurry and we got stuff set up and it was kind of getting dark. Didn't really pay attention. I looked up the next morning and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> and there's a big old leaner right over my my you know teep my little. That's why I say, tarp. Todd, I think you should put your tarp right there. I think that looks great. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get <laughs> lots of cover up. from the wind with that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's just one of, one of many hurdles back there. And it was, a, it was a good challenge this year back on that elk hunt. And that, that's why I love elk hunting so much and finding new hunts is because the challenge, challenge was just tremendous, uh, especially with babysitting the horses. And I was going to say, it took you – longer to get out of there with all the horse yeah. wrecks than than it was to get in there and shoot a bull yeah man you it, had some rodeos that's, huh? that's yeah. my fault i yeah. gave him i gave him a dumb horse well <laughs> yeah, that's what he gets for using mike's horses <laughs> that horse did buck me off this summer <laughs> <laughs> didn't tell me that no i didn't <laughs> oh man no this the the one horse he did pretty good but i think he was still pretty young and i tried to hobble him one night and he, he blew up he's never been hobbled before and then once he smelled blood uh, from that bull when I killed him he would not take a pack saddle it didn't matter if it was as clean as can be I mean we put camp on him on the way out and he still he would not pack and so we we walked out with an empty horse and me and Tim walked our saddle horses out and my saddle horse had some of camp and some meat and my elk head just a monstrosity and at this point you have all this gear and a full elk with four horses so you have three horses and then my backpack's full of meat. You're just doing whatever you can to get out to the trailhead safe yeah. without being in there for two days. Knowing the storm was coming, Ike actually was yeah. like, do you want me to come get you? I was like, I'll come get you with the rest of the horses. Yeah, storm was coming in. And so I was I like, should've. Tim, we, we got to go. And we, we got actually pounded by that storm about halfway out. And so we're walking out in two inches of gumbo sliding down the trail. And a grizzly bear track comes on the trail. And, I mean, it's – this is wild walking, and western as it gets. Just a walking grizzly bear trap. It is. It really is. Never easy and always an adventure. Absolutely. But that's that's one of those things. I've never said I would mount anything smaller than a 350 bull, but I'm going to mount this bull. And that memory and how hard I had to work for him, I mean, that's what makes it to me is, like, that's a special bull. And I don't really care what he I scores. can't believe he didn't make 350. He sure looks no, like he, it. No, he did. He's oh, 360. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. he looks like every year. Yeah, 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 no. I think you got your measurements so wrong I, there, I, I got my measurements <laughs> right, but that's just one of those, like, you know, finally I'm going to buckle down and mount an elk because, I mean, I don't have a place to put one in my house, but – that's that's what it's all about to me is how I killed that bull on that hunt. That's the trophy to me. You know, that's a one thing. Let's let's stop there for a second. One of the things I think that's really mis um, misinformed or people don't get uh, unless you've hunted a lot and, and you've done it is why number one why we mount animals, and number two why we take gripping grins. I just had a conversation with somebody just recently about that. 
And in fact, in that in that cat hunt we were talking about, the game warden Bob Holder yep. talks about it that it is a 3D photo that instantly brings you back to that hunt. It's a three dimensional memory. Yeah, yep. and it'll instantly bring you back to that hunt. It more than anything else you could do. If if a, if a golfer could somehow um, memorialize his hole in one that he did, guaranteed he'd be doing it. Yep. Even if it's taking the neighbor's cat and mounting it, and that did it. I mean, that's just how it is because we're, we have the memories when we, when we're laying on our deathbeds, that's what we have. Yep. Well, yep. Said Unless you get hit by a tree. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've said it for a long time though. And I, and I've written a little bit about this in the magazine that, you know, the meat is important. The meat, we, yep. None of us would, none of us would disclaim that what we get from the animal nutrition wise is a very, it's very valuable. We all enjoy it, but that meat that meat gets eaten up pretty quick. Yeah. You know, especially in, if you got some kids in the house, you know, Brandon, I imagine you guys go through an elk pretty quickly. Yeah, we go through a couple days. An hour. Yeah, a couple <laughs> days. <laughs> 27 kids will do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I pulled up to the office one day with my pickup box trailer, and guy goes, oh, it must be grocery shopping time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but in, in, in all seriousness, that meat goes fast. But that mount is there a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And – I think that's why we do it. That, that's why we mount stuff. That's why we – I have a pile of Europeans. You, know, you talk about yeah. not having room for stuff. And I have a pile of bleached skulls. And that's – every time I look at those, I think back to that. Mm-hmm. I can't look at a package of hamburger and do that. No. So. And it's different f- for me now especially. And it seems like, you know, all of us go on a lot of hunts. And it's, it almost seems like I'm hunting. The reason that I bow hunt now is for the experience or for that adventure – that memory yeah like the meat is a byproduct that's fantastic the antlers is a byproduct that's fantastic but i'm always looking for that hunt that's going to stand out or really challenge me or really help me become a better person because of the trials and tribulations i mean that that's what bow hunting is all about to me and those are the type of of hunts that i remember the most is when they're difficult and it's a struggle and yeah to kill a 360 bull is great and that's just a bonus but the the journey and the process of that hunt that's what the memory is for me and being able to look at that bull on my wall will help me remember it yeah and you're right you know that's the other thing is what you've learned i mean i can't imagine what you've learned about yourself you know on that in that scenario in that case and that's uh, it will be a constant reminder of what you learned yep yep i've done it on almost every hunt yep exactly and it's when you're and it's exhausting that that hunt i mean i could go on and on about how much of a memory that's going to be for me in 30 40 50 60 years mm-hmm. but yeah you just appreciate the hard ones that's what it comes down to you appreciate those more than say you would an easier kill even that, that type two fun yes. like you never yeah. come home from yep. a roller coaster and think about that for the next 10 years about how fun that roller coaster right. is but for some reason, a grueling, tough hunt with rodeos and tons of miles elevation and like uh, putting all like the more you put into something, the more it means to you. And so when you have that much invested into something and not only that year and what you learned on that hunt, but this is a combination of your entire hunting career to kill a bull like that in the wilderness like you did or backcountry like you did. Um, you know, it's a combination of your whole life working towards that, improving your skills as an archer and as a hunter, you know, to finally where 
all worlds collide and you get that chance at that mega bowl and make it happen and then get them out of country. But yeah, it's a, it, it's a memory, like you say, that you'll remember forever. And, and it's really what hunting means to all of us. It's all about yeah. being there and doing it. The fun is in being there and doing it and remembering it. But, um, I, I just want to add though, if a 220 walks across the road in front of me and I have a tag, I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'm going to make a really good story about how I had to open the door twice and <laughs> <laughs> the gun didn't even have bullets in it yet. Well, I've got a saying that you take the tough ones, but you've also got to take the easy ones <laughs> yeah, too. You absolutely. work pretty hard. And when yeah. you get one of those, those opportunities, that's gift wrapped to you. Yeah. You'd yeah. be a fool not to take it or try mm. to take it, you know? Um, I don't know about well, stepping out the truck it, door, but yeah, it's a, <laughs> an easier one for sure. Actually, that bull, Dan, was a gift because you were after a bigger bull mm-hmm. and you couldn't get him to come in. And this one, this one gave you an opportunity. Yeah, I was, I was on my way. And, and granted, I make this sound like a tough hunt, and it really was from start to finish. It was a one-day hunt. I killed right. the bull in one day, so the actual like hunting of the elk was not very long. But just to get there took a full day. Just to get out was a couple days. To get the bull off the mountain was a day. But, yeah, there was a bigger bull in there that I was going after that, you know, I went in there. It's a limited draw tag. You, you set your standards, right? You go on a hunt. And that was a bull that I was like, I really want to kill that bull. And I was like, and this bull I would shoot too. And so I'm making a move on the bull I was wanted to hunt. This bull came out and basically gave himself to me yeah. with, with how it ended up. And whether you want to call it luck of the draw or whatever, right place, right time, that's what it was. But it was a big really bowl sexy and, horses. And it, that's I think so. <laughs> it, it was that darn Palomino. <laughs> like, that is one good looking cow elk. I think it, I think it was Poncho the mule. <laughs> it probably was in the back, huh? Yeah. Look at old long hair in there. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So you need to buy sexy horses, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, that one. mule is really ugly. So it takes a really ugly horse for us. The elk loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, it was crazy. I can give you a, a little a quick synopsis. But I, I hear this really not dominant bugle, just a little squeaker bugle. And I was like, hey, Tim, let's get off and check this bull. So we tie up the horses on the, on the edge of the trees, and we slip in timber and make a couple cow calls, and this bull comes in. And I didn't get a shot at him, but he blew out, and he went into the wide open. And I was just scratching my head because the wind was good. And I was like, why did this thing blow out? But – we come back out to the edge of the timber and this bull is standing in the wide open staring at my horses behind me <laughs> and gave me all the time I needed to get Tim in position and range him, set my bow, stand broadside and shoot him. And, you know, I'm cow calling him between two, but he just, they couldn't figure it out when those elk get right in before the peak of the rut and they just start getting crazy and they do weird things like that and it's just catching them on the right day. Elk don't know how many legs horse oh, Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's what it was. And, yeah, he held there standing standing there looking at my horses, and I shot him. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, necessarily a crazy stock or a calling sequence that did it or whatever, but it was just working with that scenario and, like you Adapt said. Adapt and overcome. Yeah, and take what's given to you. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a testament to the that there are still places like that. Yeah. Out in the west there are yep. still places like that. that's where you need the mrs so we figure out where the hell to go exactly that's right. that kind tag of hub here we come yep because if Cause there are places still like that that is like hunting elk 50 60 years yep. ago yep there, there is like that that's it's epic, not easy that's no. what guys don't understand right. yep. they want it easy oh i want that kind of hunt but over the counter 
that's not going to happen. <laughs> yep. yeah. well, but, but there, there are still places like that. Yep. There's still some really good hunting out there across the West, you know, like where Dan was and his opportunity. But sometimes, too, you just time it right in an area. Yeah. You get in yes. there and the rut's crazy. He was at the right and, place. and you can be on That's a general a right unit. Yeah, you can, but you just get in there like this year. Um, you know, I hunted a spot where the roads mud up really bad, and I got in there before the roads mudded up, before this big snowstorm came in. So this big snowstorm came in. You can't go anywhere. You're mudded in. I'm the only person in there with a couple thousand elk ripping around. They're rutting like crazy. I had the most epic hunting for six or seven days trying to kill a big mature six-point, and that, that epic hunting for bulls, for bucks— I uh, killed a really nice six by eight in Idaho this year on a over the counter tag. Like there's still really good hunting out there. It's just the new age of hunting where you got to do a lot of e scouting and research, and you got to go strike out too. I go yeah, to elk yeah. spots where I don't kill elk too, and then you just get that one right, and you time it with the timing, or you time it with the the backcountry and the remoteness, or you time it with the rut where it hits perfect. And you get into some of the most epic action. I mean, that's what I love about bow hunting is when I can get into that action and I'm chasing a bull and there's another six point over here and there's one bugling behind me that I can't get to. That lights my soul on fire. I absolutely love that. Brandon and I got into that this year um, on his elk hunt. And it was a, it was a scenario where it's a, it's a, it's a pretty tough tag to draw. It's not really hard to draw, but it's not easy either. But uh, we got into some mud, muddy situation, had some bad weather, and we had to drop out, drop some elevation, and we actually kind of got lucky. We were hanging out at the truck at the trailhead, and we were getting ready to pack up and go, and we were kind of lingering, you know, and all of a sudden bulls started bugling, and there's one there, and all of a sudden another one goes over here, another one goes over here, and we ended up hunting right there for the next, what? eight ten eight hours that mm-hmm. day and you actually had some opportunities there mm-hmm. but it was exactly what you're talking about it was the right place at the right time and those bulls were insane i mean then we were able to slip in that was right towards the end of the bow season yeah archery. i think there was like three or four days left of yeah. archery but it's the last time we could hunt right during the archery season right. you'd watch didn't you get watch people walk past them oh yeah you know it's the old adage don't walk past elk to find elk right and they were all over the place by the trailhead i mean it was straight up and down country it wasn't like you just hopped out of your truck yeah, it's not one, easy but I mean, country it was, necessarily but it wasn't but far. It, no the distance was not was right. not far and then that helped because that limited quota tag that i said that my son drew it was the same tag and so a few days later we went and set up a wall tent and whole nine yards and yeah, we knew where the elk were and we kind of looked at each other and just and thought we would be fools to not go right back in there and, and kind of heat check that. And we got in there opening morning on your son's hunt, on Hunter's hunt, mm-hmm. and ripped off a locator bugle, and a bull answers literally right from right from the truck. Well, and that's a good testament, too, where you got to be flexible. I mean, we all come up with our, like you said, your e-scouting plans or even experience you've had in the past in a different area. We were going to go to a whole other mm-hmm. side of the unit. We'd had this plan yep. f- since the summer. Here's what we're going to do when rifle season opens. And here's what we're going to do during archery season. And uh, even right up until the end of archery season, we are still going to do that. We're hold hold to the plan, you know, and go forward with that. And then we looked at each other and went, we're stupid if we don't come right back here. And the first hour of the rifle season, we had a bull down. Yep. Yeah, it, was, it was literally that quick. We walked in, threw out a locator bugle, bull answered. We got We moved in close, 
Kyle called a couple times, and it was still the, still the rut. And this bull walks right into Hunter's lap, and he's able to put him down on camera. And that's a whole other video that we're that we'll be putting out in yeah. the, in the future that you'll get to see. And it's exactly what you're talking about, though. You know, like Dan's in the right spot at the right time, and what guys talking about, you know, about that existing. What you're both saying about it existing all over the West, it's very true. And you have to be out there. I mean, that's the moral of the story. I mean, Dan wouldn't have had that amazing opportunity, that bull coming into the horses and being able to uh, have him walk right into your lap, basically, if you're sitting at home analyzing things or if you're overthinking things or you're scared to go out because of the weather or, or you're scared because of the bears or whatever. The point is you got to be in the field. I mean, that's what – I mean, that's – you know, we want the memories after the hunt, but – I mean, there's nothing that's, in my opinion, that's quite like as good for the soul as just spending time in the outdoors. Like the whole time you're telling that story and, and about the experience of all these different hunts we go on, one of my favorite quotes from, uh, you know, from Theodore Roosevelt, and he's quoted, you know, all the time. But he says, uh, I used to have a T-shirt that said this on there. It's in my, been in my email signature now for years. But it says, only he who has partaken thereof can appreciate the keen delight of hunting in lonely lands. And basically, if you're not out there doing it, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. and, and the opportunities won't be there. Such a great point, Brandon. As you guys were talking, that's exactly that was running through my head. It's just time of field. If you're out there long enough, good things happen. Yep. And, and then your other point, like adapting, adapting to real-time information. I think that's my biggest asset as a Western hunter is just adapting to the sign I see, to the animals I see, keep moving, keep looking, and then you find the party of animals. You find the party of elk or you find where the mule deer are hanging, where the bucks like to be in their basin, and then you start hunting them and you get into that good hunting. But being able to adapt on the fly like you guys did, adapt to that spot because you were seeing elk in there, and you guys had never planned to hunt around the trailhead. That was never in any e-scouting, any plan. But the elk were there, and you found the elk were there, and then set up, and then, you know, your boy ended up killing a really nice six-point. Well, in and the funny thing about that, too, is that, you know, on the surface, nobody really understands the backstory. With all that time we've been in the field and scouting and researching and uh, backpacking and glassing and all that, all they hear is that my 14-year-old son shot a six-point bull on his first tag in the first hour of the season. And they say, oh, he's ruined. He's spoiled. I'm like, no, man, he's been – he's all a part of this. This is this is the life we live. This is what we do. And that's something that's going to fuel him for next year and the year after and the year after. Well, and to that testament, he's 14. This is when, this is when you uh, keep him – I'm not saying your kid, but kids out there. This right. is when you get him – keep them or you lose them and you know mike said something funny today he said you know i was i was backpacking mule deer hunting when i was 15 everybody else was out chasing girls that's a true statement uh, if you don't get them early and 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 get them in you know addicted to that stuff they're gonna get in trouble what's that bumper sticker say in your office yeah it says kids who learn how to hunt trap and fish don't mug little old ladies yeah it's mm -hmm. true <laughs> yep you know yep. and and if you give them that, are they going to chase girls? Yeah, I mean, give me Christmas. We've all seen bull elk, right? I mean, we're not that far <laughs> off. <laughs> but, but they have something to come back to and something that will keep them grounded. And exactly. life skills. Yep. Look at the life skills you taught your, your son. Mm -hmm. I've learned more about endurance and perseverance from from the hunting world and being miserable and how to translate. This isn't that big a deal. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've this seen a big deal tough. and this ain't it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, I'm – that's one of the coolest things about wingmen. What I get to do with wingmen is 
there's an age gap there where I can I can reach kids. You you can get kids out in the field hunting birds, whether it's geese, ducks, pheasants, you name it, earlier than you can take them big game hunting. And it's not as it's not as crazy. Exactly, yeah. it's not as crazy. You're usually if they get to cold to the point where they can't take it anymore, you can go get back in the vehicle. Right. You know, you can get out of there. Right. There's more there's the there's usually more action. You know, you can and talk and be a little exactly. loud and move around. It's not like your one chance a year at killing a bull elk. Right. You know, it's there, if you if you if you screw up that group of birds, there's probably going to be more. Mm-hmm. And so, getting them hooked on that right early, 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 that's huge because then that translates into what like the stuff Hunter is doing now with you. And, and he's been hunting a long, time. a long time. He was with you got me. videos of him shooting ants with a bow and arrow that I saw the other day, and he was like six. Yeah, he's shooting an ant hill and uh, just eating it up, you know. But he was in. I I started taking my kids out when they were three. In fact, he called in. I had a extra white-tailed doe depredation type tag, and I just had him in a ground blind. I just wanted to get him out. I didn't really th- expect to shoot anything, and I had my recurve at the time, and uh, he wanted to blow on my deer call. And uh, in fact, it was the call that. Your guys' grandfather oh, helped him vent. And yep. um, anyway, he, uh, he wailed away on the call, and I thought, oh, good grief, we're not going to see anything today. And this white-tailed doe comes screaming out of this tree row <laughs> and uh, stops, looks at us, turns broadside, turns her head away from me, and I shot her through both lugs with a, with a reeker from 15 yards away. And he called that in. He's three years old. That's and cool. so that's all he's known, you know, is that, that type of a lifestyle. and. And uh, I don't know. I don't think there's any better way to raise a kid. Yeah, you're spot on there. Yep, getting them outside and outdoors to have those adventures with you and that quality time, too. You know, and I work really hard to engage with my daughters, you know, every night when I'm home and during dinner and stuff. But it's just wild the in-depth conversations you have when you go hunting together. When you spend the whole weekend together, whether you're backpacking or truck camping or whatever it is, I have these in-depth conversations where my girls just seem to open up a little bit more around me, you know, and um, they kind of come into their own, too. Mm -hmm. And and I like what you said, Todd, like that excitement and you get more chances. Bird hunting is the the perfect sport to get kids involved in. And I think, you know, uh, my dad, my family was great at getting me out. They didn't give me the best skills in Washington to go out and be successful. Like we were hunting blacktail deer. And so half the time you jump them out of the timber and you try to shoot them offhand as they're running through the timber. (laughs) It was horrible habits to build as a kid. But they got me out there and and showed me the love of the outdoors, which, you know, has has got me on a, a bunch more adventures and spending time with family and friends. But um, but, but my point is, is that, uh, you know, that to be out and to be shooting ducks is really where I learned to hone my skills and keep my cool and make my shot because you mess up, but then you have some more ducks that come in where you get a chance to do it right and lead them correctly and execute your shot correctly. And you get so excited when they're cupped and coming in and committed. I would get so excited and they come in and I'd empty my shotgun and I wouldn't touch anything. And I go, oh, next time I really got to aim, you know, or next time I really got to look at my beat. But that's what got me to keep my calm in that moment right. was putting myself in that situation and, and then being able to take what I learned and, and, yep. and bridge that into big game hunting. Right, absolutely. It transfers over, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just repetition, 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 and, and the love for it. You know, Dan and I had a conversation on the way out in here uh, to do the podcast this afternoon about time. Somebody said, I got asked a question one time, what does it take to be consistently successful on Western big game? And I said, time, it takes time, you know, whether it's time learning the animals, 
learning how to be successful and then time in the field, it's a time thing. And so starting those kids young on something that's that gets them hooked, that's just building that time contingent into it. The more repetition, the more time they have, it transfers over to elk hunting or sheep hunting or mule Just being hunting. an outdoorsman. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Learning how to read water and everything. Yep. Weather patterns. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, and, um, you know, we create these opportunities through putting in our hard work and eventually you spot a big four-point buck that you want or a big six-point bull that you want. And then it comes down to, you know, how well have you honed your instincts over the years? It comes down to going all in on that bull and seeing if you can make it happen. And, and you're relying upon, like, years of experience of hunting elk and calling elk and, and watching them on the winter range and how they react, where they like to bet. You're, you know, you're, you're calculating all that in. You're not thinking about it, but you, you're, it, that's all in your calculations of the moves you're going to make, which then dictate whether or not you get the opportunity. But that's what I love about Western hunting is, is that um, you never stop improving, you never stop learning, and you never get it all figured out. No matter how many years I do it, I just still don't have it all figured out. I'm always mm-hmm. learning. Shameless plug. That's why uh, we're doing a short film on my dad, and it's called uh, "How What the Lessons the Lessons a Mule Deer Taught Me." <laughs> Sixty some years of, you wouldn't want me to say that. Sixty five years of of deer hunting, and all of the things he's learned he's learned because of mule deer and messing up and learn just being out there with them. Man, is that so? That's in video format where yep. you're compiling a bunch of old footage with uh, hunts that he's been on yep. and hunts that he's it's done, and then also splice in like him interviewing him is that yeah right? and it's going to be a conservation piece because mule deer has changed in in that 60 years mule deer have drastically changed went to from 200 or 2 million plus mule deer in wyoming to you know below 400,000. we're in the like three somethings and and uh you know that's it's a conservation piece meant to meant to you know get people involved and there's some science out there and uh with the migration that that people can with time and, and with their money, we can we can help that just through the migration because there's been a lot of places. I mean, Guy and I grew up in Jackson Hole, and if you've been to Jackson Hole lately, it, they've messed it up with all those million-dollar homes, and they've messed the winter range up. And mm-hmm. that's just not the only place. There's other places uh, in Wyoming that they've messed that winter range up, and it's it's cut off corridors, and, and there's, um, you know, highways been put in. And, you know, in the 60s and 50s, they were going 40 miles an hour down a highway. Now they're doing 70. It's different, and it needs there. You know, we got to manage that that resource, or we're going to lose it. You're right. We have to protect it. And the mule deer are such a sensitive species. They're not like a whitetail. Whitetail grow everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but the the mule deer, we really have to watch out. As like you say, we encroach into their habitat as far as winter range, migrational habits. So those studies that have came out lately, yeah. which I'm sure you're incorporating in the yep. video, but those migration studies are just amazing. Of yep. those mule deer and how far they migrate, and then using the same trails. And, well, and, and things they didn't know. They, th- you know. There's deer that migrate all the way from Jackson all the way over here to Cody to winter. And they go through the roughest part of that wilderness. And they mig- they migrate through that. They didn't know that. My, my, my dad and his brothers knew that because they were hunting there. And every time it snow in September, they turn around and all the deer tracks are going up the creek. Go, what in the heck is going on? They didn't know. They were shooting. Those, those deer start getting hunted September 15th. And they're hunted all the way until well, to up until recently, until November 15th. They were getting hunted for three months, and they didn't know that. They didn't know they were the same deer. They thought they were park deer. 
Man, isn't that wild? Yeah. And and then the the work they're doing with overpasses or yeah. for yeah. Uh, letting yeah. the deer cross over freeways and things to yep. continue their and migration. And that's where that's where they need the help is those funds. They got to they have to raise so many so many dollars and then the feds throw in, you know, x amount of dollars to build those overpasses and they work. They they have they have tested it. They work way better than the underpasses. Mm-hmm more expensive to build but way better it's mm. great we have to be proactive to protect them and yeah I, sometimes uh like uh you know I'm, I'm not i'd love to hunt the rut in montana for mule deer but boy it sure is the achilles heel of a big mature bucks yeah. man those things to hunt them with a rifle during the rut and and um you know we're just going to have to change our practices and and uh, be proactive and so that's great that project will bring awareness to mule deer and mike's the best storyteller around too <laughs> so he's going to do great on that he thing. does do well with that yeah he's been doing it a long time oh how cool yeah no it's a major part of it uh looking out for this wildlife out west you know as we get you know more people hunting and encroachment more people living here but yeah we have to continue to protect that lifestyle and way of life that we all love it drives us all to to be better family men, better people, and in what we live to do. But yeah, we definitely have to protect it. That's for sure. I don't know, family men. I'm pretty sure my wife would disagree about. Oh, I don't know. The 20th of October, I've been gone all fall. <laughs> 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 yeah, I am not a family man in September. But <laughs> <laughs> I come home for two days. She's like, you know. It'd be just better if you just didn't come home for two <laughs> days because you just screw our <laughs> all our processes up. <laughs> I don't know if you just kicked me out. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a just live out in the man cave for a few <laughs> yeah, days. No I'm kidding. I'm here, but I'm not here. Mm-hmm. It's a tough balance when we like to spend so much time outdoors, you know, and it's so nice our family picks up the slack, at least for me. Gosh, yeah. my wife and my daughters, they're just great. Support everything I do, take yep. care of everything, you know, where um, that allows me the time to be out and go have fun, chase my dreams out there. And it makes a difference, though, too, like you've alluded to in some of your writings and on the podcast. But when you're there, you're really intentional, though, you know, and it's not like you're gone 12 months out of the year. You're, you're gone aggressively certain times of the year. And you're really intentional at your job. You're really intentional as a dad. You're really intentional as a husband when you're there, which is most of the time. But yeah. then for those times that you're gone, then those things can be seamless. And they know that you miss them. And they know that you appreciate it. It's not like you're being a jerk all year long going, later, I'm going elk hunting too. It's that you're being, you know, the complete package. And yep. that, that's part of the story that I don't think we talk about very much. Well, and I think that, I think, Brandon, that that, that dovetails into being an effective hunter at the same time mm-hmm. because yeah. if you've been intentional about those things then you can go into the field and they're not l- lurking in the back of your mind right you just go out and focus on the hunt because you know that stuff at home is taken care of and right you away. don't have you don't have that nagging in exactly. the back of your mind not that your wife nags but you don't have that <laughs> right. in the back of your mind oh gosh i should i should just go home i should just go home and right. when things get tough and you have to make that decision. Do I stay out here? Or do I go home? It's easy to. It's easier to stay out there than I just. I'll just go home, face the music, and just deal with that. It becomes be an out. Right. It becomes yep. an out, an excuse yeah. for you, yep. instead of just everything's dialed, man. Your right. job's taken care of. Your life is squared away at home. And right. when it comes time, game time, you're in it. Marital advice provided by Eastman's podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did that get there? We're not, we're not marriage counselors, but we stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> yeah. Stayed at a VRBO last night. Yeah. Yeah. I'll one-up it, though. Don't have a surprise on October 29th. Uh, that that I, complicates the fall. Yeah, Reekers, Reekers needs to learn how 
timing works with all of that. Having a child. <laughs> it was completely off. <laughs> you need to reschedule We were tracking and everything. Nine-month math. You, you, played, <laughs> you played hockey. You understand how goalies work, right? <laughs> oh. Hey, oh. That, that is my joke. <laughs> but you I, can't say it about yourself. <laughs> I, my goalie didn't even show up. So. <laughs> there, was, there was no brick wall. So. That's so what you have would you have would you have three kids under four? Yep. Actually Ella turned four, so we're yeah. barely. <laughs> Man. Like last week. Yeah. <laughs> well and you about had the kid on the podcast. I think we recorded one the same day yeah. right before you went to the hospital. Well, I won't tell the story of the birth, but I have a Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank In you. Thank depth, you very much. Please. <laughs> Look at the guy's face. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was actually on a hunt. Um, a amigo Fred drew a sand dunes elk tag and so probably shouldn't say the unit, but sorry. So edit that out. Um, it was one of the funnest hunts. Mm-hmm. Elk hunts. Craziest elk hunt yes. I've ever been on. Man, you were on it too, right? Oh, yeah. It was Guy yeah. and, and I. And Reekers did us the did us the solid and went down and mm-hmm. scouted a couple days early because yep. we were on an, another mule deer hunt. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, my gosh, what an epic hunt. It was fun. And, but in my mind, I'm thinking I've got plenty of time. Like I've got I, – I committed I would be home October 20th. Due date was November 7th. That's plenty of time to be home. You know, nope, baby's born the next week when I get back. So it was pretty crazy. But it was a lot it was a lot of fun and it was cool to have a wife that Yeah, I'm about to pop. Go ahead and go hunting. So not that he wasn't worried the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah. We had the best wives around. But you're you're right, both of you guys, what everybody stated is that if you have anxiety in the mountains, you are not an effective hunter. You shouldn't even be there. And that's why we all work so hard to get our work done before we leave. And and it's amazing how effective and efficient you are in those couple two three days before you leave on a hunt i i get two weeks worth of work done i I can scramble around and get so much done in there but it's also you know making sure that you take care of your family stuff everybody's taken care of and you're right you get on the hunt and then you can just focus on that hunt and having fun and cutting loose but there's nothing worse than being on a hunt and having that anxiety that nagging i gotta take care of this or i didn't do this or i got this weighing on me or take care of this at home I'm 50% less effective if I got something I'm worried about like yeah. that. Yep. Yep. Like a, like a baby down, <laughs> down to trying to hunt a, trying to hunt a bull down there. That had to be a fun hunt. You guys have been hunting with Amigo Fred. He's been friends of the Eastman's oh for gosh. years, right? And you uh, went on an Africa decades. trip with him. Yeah, decades. And, and so what? Tell me the story. He drew a good tag this year. And S- well, he's he's up in his he's in his uh, 70s. I'll put it that way. And he's never really killed a good bull. I mean, a really good bull. He's he he he's been on a lot of hunts, but it just never happened. And uh, he's had max points in Wyoming, and been kind of bugging guy and I. What do I do with him? What do I do with him? I want one good bull to put on the wall. And and uh, we got to talking about around the office and the the unit that uh, Scott was talking about came up, and we're like, ah, oh, you know what? Let's do it. It'll be fun. He. he 70s he can get around there it's kind of like an antelope hunt and there's roads everywhere and it'll be fun it was an absolute hoot i mean we were we <laughs> it got really cold because we had a really weird fall and we were out in the middle of the desert and it's literally sand dunes that move around dunes that they constantly move around we're driving down the road one day 
two-track road and it starts to get really sandy and we pop up and we're on top of a dune. I'm going, oh, oh, I hope we don't get stuck here because we're a long ways from cell service and a really long ways from anybody we know or anything. And, dry, you know, we get out of that. But there's elk up there on the other side of the dune. There's a six-point bull and 20 head of cows and I saw uh, two mule deer bucks. One of them's pushing 190 and go off, feed off into the into the sagebrush over your head. But it was so neat to see those elk back into, you know, back in, they were originally a plains animal. It's so neat to see them in the plains. Because you'd think 15, you know, a, a thousand head, a thousand pound animal and there's 300 of them. You'd think you'd, they'd stick out like a sore thumb, Todd. I'm not going to say your, your <laughs> analogy. There's, there's no fish here. But they don't. They, they, they will lay down in that sagebrush that's three feet high and disappear because they the sagebrush looks the exact shape as them so if it's silhouetted forget about it but it was so much fun we had uh they're out there rutting and you know the end of the rut and we snuck up on this bull for guy was filming i don't know it was 700 yards just out in the middle of this flat and uh the actually the bull was trying to breed a cow and the cow couldn't figure out what we were because we would move about i'd count it we moved 10 steps and then we'd just sit there completely still and uh then i'd move about 10 steps and we'd do that you know take about five minutes of waiting partially i, I learned a lesson on this i i did it thinking that fred because fred's a little older and there's an elevation thing i mean we're hunting at six thousand feet but it's it's flat it's desert it's high desert and fred's not from an elevation so i was taking it real slow with him come to find out we're like gangbusters we 10 steps wait two three minutes 10 steps, wait two, three minutes, 10 steps. Pretty soon we had 700 yards pulled up. This cow couldn't figure out what we were. She bring the bull to us, 230 yards, and he made one shot, and uh, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, it was a 350 bull. He was blown up on one side a little bit because there's 300 head of cows and a bunch of bulls. In fact, there was another bull in there. It was just as big or bigger, but he broke off one entire main beam. Gone right at his skull. And uh, But it was, it was a good time. Guy got all on film, and – and we had a lot of laughs with Fred out in the middle of nowhere. It was cold. It was so cold that one night that the that we were staying in a camper and it froze up on us, and uh, turned solid. So it was it was fun, good time. Oh, that is so cool! Uh, and that bull was beautiful. The long beams yeah, on them. You have sixty inch, inch beams. Fifty six inch. Fifty six. Fifty seven. I think they look like sixty five yeah. in the picture. God, that's a good looking bull. Yeah, it was neat. And those bulls, their their horns aren't very dense because they're out in that, you know, on that mm-hmm. desert. You look at them, and there's not a lot of bone before you get into the honeycomb portion of it. It's pretty interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I don't, don't think I've ever noticed either. that. Yeah. You will see a lot of former six points that turn into spikes out there because they yeah. literally start breaking their points off all the way up. And if they're a scrapper at all, those big, big giant spikes will own a huge herd yeah. because nobody wants to fight them. Yeah. They slick run, run right into your face with those antlers. It's funny how that works. but Man. And cold temps for, uh, well, I think it was like the beginning of October, right? Somewhere around there? It was the middle. I think it was the middle 15th of October. or 16th. Yeah, yeah. I think I was hunting the same time. But, yeah, gosh, I had some cold nights. I had I had one night this year that I went mule deer hunting, um, backpacked into this country. I've always wanted to get into it. And this is like, you know, there's, there's little places across the West. So everybody can look at a map, can look at Google Earth across the West, and you can pick out wilderness areas. And you go, okay, there's no trucks here. There's no trails here. There's trails in here, no trucks, no roads, wilderness, n- no little or no pressure. But 
guys are starting to discover all these spots because they're so easy to see. And so what I found out is there's like little wilderness spots like in state lands and in national forests and in different places where if you do your research, you figure out, oh, there's no access here. Oh, there is a road here, but it comes off private. Nobody can drive it. Or And so I hike way back into this spot I've really wanted to get into for a lot of years. And it was epic mule deer hunting back there. Chased it, ended up killing a really nice buck, but you talk about cold nights. I slept one night in there, and I bivy-sacked in. I was going to bring the teepee in the stove, and then you're trying to go lightweight. I was by myself, and so I ended up just bringing a bivy tent, and I brought my zero-degree bag and then uh, my pad like I always would. Oh, I got so cold that night. I ended up boiling water in the middle of the night to shove in my sleep bag to keep me warm. <laughs> Put it in God, your – God dang, it was cold. Just that below zero temp that – you just step outside and your hands are cold or any exposed skin is cold. But, yeah, some cold temps this year, that's for sure. It was a cold, mm-hmm. cold fall. Wasn't Gosh, it? it was cold. Yeah, and now it's 40 degrees and we're yeah. fishing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Christmas mm-hmm. fishing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm wishing for those temps back again and make the bird hunting a lot yeah, better. Every time Todd's like, oh, I wish, the, I wish it would get crappy outside. Shut your mouth. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't spend enough time in a tent, apparently. <laughs> I don't even sleep in a tent. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> That's about. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, there's always challenges, isn't there? And just like you guys were talking about, the roads are being stuck. So, you know, here you've drawn a unit that's really tough to draw that's supposed to be, I mean, I don't want to say it's an easier access hunt, but it is. There's roads going through. Mm-hmm. But still you always got to go all in in this game, don't you? It's oh. like, and you, you can't wreck your truck or get stuck out there. You've got to keep it safe and make the right decisions. But it seems like I'm always pushing the line with muddy roads, <laughs> with snowy roads. I backed four miles down a snowy road the other day, you know, that I drove up and committed to, and it got too bad. I had to back all the way down that thing. But it just seems like you're always all in, or you're always going for it when you're Western hunting. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, actually on that elk hunt, after we killed the bull, it got dark on us. And the moon didn't come out. And, of course, we're not familiar with this place. And it's crisscrossed with two track roads. Somehow I missed a, a left. And we ended up, it taking us like an hour and a half to get back to where, back to camp. And I don't even, I have no idea how we got there. And I wouldn't be able to take you back. We popped out right by our camp and was like, whew. I was worried we were going to run out of gas back here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, Well, yeah. you see that, though. You see guys carrying, you know, four of those. What are the new rally, their rally jugs now? No, That's yeah. what I run. Yeah. I got two yeah. in the back yeah. of my truck yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's like a prerequisite for out here just in yeah. case stuff like that happens. On Brandon, on Hunter's Hunt, we had weather on Hunter's Elk Hunt this mm-hmm. year. And we couldn't get – we had a river – we had two river crossings with vehicle river crossings to get back into the spot. And we couldn't get the vehicle, the big truck, across – it was we could get it across the first river crossing but the second it was like too steep mm-hmm. to get down it's in really washed out really washed out really bad and so we used we used a smaller truck and we were able to get in there with a smaller pickup and it still ripped off the wiring and it still it cost me 450 bucks <laughs> <laughs> it just destroyed it i'm not talking just bent the the uh, trailer wiring harness ripped i'm talking off. ripped it off and not well. We had to cross it several times, though, yeah. too. But yeah, but it um, was. I mean, that, you're exactly right, Brian. That kind of stuff. It's no joke. You know, having a handyman jack and a shovel and an axe and rally cans with gas. You know, tow strap chains. Chains. Mm-hmm. Those things. Those are things that, for the non-resident hunter, 
coming out here, there are things you need to think about. Battery uh, jumper. Oh, no Your kidding. battery goes oh, dead man. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in, like, that desolate country you're hunting or, like, I remember in New Mexico, sometimes you're 100 miles from a town. If your battery doesn't start out there, you are done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it my, my buddy Dan did it this year. We took his white Toyota and went over the hill, and we were hunting, and he shut off his truck and left the radio on in there and then went to start it, and we were dead. And luckily, we weren't too far away, and I was able to flag down, you know, some hunters that are driving through and blame it on my buddy Dan for not having, you know. <laughs> and, and he had a jumper. Like, he had a mobile jumper, but it was for his uh, his side-by-side or something, so it just didn't Wasn't have enough, enough juice, amps to juice, turn us juice, over. Yep. And I have one that I always carry with me, but after that trip, I bought another one because mine was five <laughs> years old right in the back of my truck. We, we had a deal uh, in Nebraska this year where my truck didn't start, and I tried my jumper, and it didn't work. It wasn't charged, apparently, but I charged it. Battery issues with my pickup, but charged it, and it, it as long as it – I did a bunch of research on this. As long as it's lithium, the, bump, the jumper, because I have a big diesel pickup, and that thing jumped my truck five times before it went dead. Five times. Because the battery, I was having batteries issues when I got home. Um, I told my wife, I'm saying, I'm going to try this. I'm just going to see how what, how many times it'll start my truck before it dies. Five times. Wow, that's wild. I, mean, I got to get the type. diesel. I got to get the type that you get okay. and how many amperage. It's uh, 800 and, or it's 8,000 MHA or whatever. Yep. yep. And it's, it works as long as it's lithium. Man, okay. Mm-hmm. And because yes. the problem with the. The other one is the lithium you can throw in the back of your truck, and if it gets cold and hot, cold and hot, cold and hot, it's no, it doesn't hurt the lithium as bad as it does the lead. Okay. Lead acid. Oh. Yeah, I think that was my issue. Well, uh, tire patch kit. I yeah. Know, I've had trips where I've patched three tires on one trip. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, it's trying to run those factory tires too long, and they still got a yeah, they still got a little tread on them. But boy, those four plies—they just don't hold up. <laughs> oh, and no. They do fine for a long time, but all of a sudden, once they hit the end, all of a sudden you're just you're on flats the whole time. But yeah, I think it was last season during elk season. Yeah, I think I had three flats and one. Tread, God forbid, should you run over a porcupine on accident? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this episode of Eastwood's Elevated brought to you by. Toyo tires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of potential sponsors. Yeah. In this. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to get to work. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm looking for Pendleton. How can we work them in here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blankets, Dan. I'm talking about the blankets. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they made blankets. <laughs> well, uh, why don't we go around the room? Uh, let's do some closing thoughts, and we'll end this thing up and do our Christmas party tonight. Thanks a bunch, you guys. I, I really appreciate each and every one of you and really enjoy the conversations I have with you guys, both on the podcast and off. And you guys are always willing to lend a hand and help on the podcast, uh, the scheduling. Um, I, I just I – know, I know I've said it before, but I really appreciate it, guys. Um, go ahead, closing thoughts. Ike, why don't you lead off? Um, you know, I, I, I want to thank you, Brian, of course, who – you know, you're the, the workhorse here and you're doing all of the work on this, you and Scott. Uh, I want to I want to thank you for for doing this, and uh, I also want to thank the audience. You know, we've we got a really good, dedicated audience, and uh, hopefully they're learning some stuff. And also, if they want to if they want to learn some other things and learn or want us to talk about something or somebody to be on the podcast, you know, reach out to us. I'm always open for for those thoughts. Um, you know, I think I think they 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 lend as much or more experience. Uh, to each other as they do as we do to them so um, thank them I think everybody here maybe I should have ended this but 
thank everybody <laughs> here because you guys all work really, really hard at, at this company and do a lot, a lot of stuff. And we wear lots of hats and we're gone lots and we travel a lot and work really hard when we're here and work really hard in, in the field. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of jobs out there that you literally put your life on the line a lot. And this is it. I mean, we're walking around with with uh, ammunition and in grizzly bear countries and horses and and teaching people and in, in, uh, you know, weather yeah. situations and falling trees. I just appreciate you guys. Every one of you. And you're good. For doing you're a good leader. Ike. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate yeah, your you. leadership for sure. Yep. Well, I'm, you know, horribly nostalgic, but I, I always think it's easy to take for granted what we all get to do for a living. And, uh, you know, without Mike Eastman, without these guys, Guy and Ike, and then Mike Eastman, and then, of course, Gordon before him, none of us would be sitting here. None of us would have a job. One time we were at SHOT Show years ago. It is one of my first years of work at here. And I looked at Mike. Uh, I don't know. You guys had some other place to be. And him and I were <laughs> eating at his favorite uh, Italian restaurant down there <laughs> that we eat at every night. It's not even there it, anymore. <laughs> oh, it's not? Oh, uh, lived it. <laughs> 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 but I, I looked at him. It's, and you could tell he, he kind of gets what he's done, but not fully. And And I said – man mike i just gotta tell you it's such a pleasure to be you know working for your company and and to working for your family and just being a spoke on the wheel and i just love being a part of it and he drops his fork and he looks at me and he goes really (laughs) 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 like why would you say that to me but uh anyway in all seriousness i do i appreciate you know the the part the segment of the industry that he basically built and uh there's a whole generation that doesn't even understand that that's coming up now. I mean, I'm glad they're coming up into the, into what we do, but um, it's just, it's a historical anomaly that this company even exists the way it does in its capacity and the constant growth and additional properties that we're adding like Eastman's elevated and beyond the grid of wingman. Plus the magazine, the TV shows that have been the bread and butter for so long are still doing great. And it's just fun to be a part of. It really is. Is that the same trip that he asked you if I was paying you to hang out with him? Yeah, we were walking around <laughs> after that uh, in, in Vegas going back to uh, the, the hotel we are staying in. And he <laughs> looks at me and he says, why are you hanging out with me? Is Ike paying you or something? <laughs> <laughs> he, it's like he couldn't believe somebody wanted to just hang out with him. Uh, it was funny. That guy's a character. All right, Todd, uh, closing thoughts. Oh, man. Keep um, it t- piffy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I could echo a lot of the same stuff that Brandon said. You know, I was a fanboy of this of this company for well, before I even moved to Wyoming, which was over a decade ago now. And here I am sitting in a room with a bunch of like-minded individuals having a really cool conversation and getting to record it. And that's kind of surreal. And it's it's really something that I am very thankful for. And you know, I'm thankful for Ike Guy, I'm thankful for what you guys do. And it's an honor to be a part of this. And then to be able to bring up an idea like wingmen and our wing nuts, as guy calls it, and, uh, you know, but, but to be taken seriously with that and to be supported through that and to see it grow, it's exciting. As I'm sure, you know, Brian with, uh, with the podcast, but I got one more little story that I'm going to close with because we promised that we would tell it. But uh, after hunters elk hunt this year, we packed out his bull, and I'm no spring chicken anymore. <laughs> and I was sitting on a cot, and I 
was having a hard time putting my socks on. <laughs> and Hunter's 14 years what old. What is this? Were you laying an egg? What's the Yeah, just about, <laughs> right? I was, my legs were sore for the day before I was stiff, and I couldn't. Plus, you got T-Rex arms. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> short little arms, man. <laughs> happy and I know it. Wait. Yeah, right? Barney. Anyway, um, I had to have Hunter put my socks on for me that day. And we've got video proof of that that yep. will be in that episode yep. next year, guaranteed. That's a coming-of-age thing right there, <laughs> yep. right? you got to yep. go put the on The look on his ass. face was priceless. He says to me, I'm not rubbing your feet. I said, I don't, I don't want you to rub my feet. Just put my socks on. I, told I just him, have to go pee, man. Yeah. I, I told him, I said, that's what you call paying for elk packing services Yeah, yeah, right we there. just packed out his bowl and – but, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff that makes this more than a job. It makes it more than than that. We're, this is this is a lot like family, and I'm really grateful to be a part of it and proud proud to ride for this brand. Man, awesome. Couldn't have been said better. Dan, closing thoughts? Another big bowl in store for you next year, I'm sure, huh? Oh, always going to try to. Man, I'm sure a good one this year. Yeah. God, dark horn, big. That's the one you dream about. That's the one you dream about, absolutely. But, yeah, we'll keep hunting hard and doing what we do, and it's always a pleasure to be around everybody and have the opportunity to be here. And, and uh, yeah, we're all very lucky and blessed to, to work for a company, as Brando said, that's been around for so long, and a fam- family company. And uh, as I've people ask me all the time how's it how's it like working for Eastman's what's it like I'm like dude it's the best job I've ever had and Ike's the best boss I've ever had and I, I still say that and I always will and it has it's the truth and so yeah, I can't complain. You have not had enough jobs. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have. Well, I came from the Forest Service to here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, no, it's it's fun. And, and one of my favorite things, too, about this and show season coming up is connecting with like-minded guys that are like us and why we like to podcast, talk. You know, we're like-minded bow hunters. And so I enjoy you, Brian. I enjoy the podcast. And I'm just happy to be here and, and happy to connect with like-minded individuals that's where I get a, a large uh, portion of enjoyment for this job so it's fun it never gets old so. right on Scott you've got I, uh, I don't know where to go from here I, I know <laughs> uh, well yeah I didn't set you up real good because we had everybody talk about how much they like their job in Eastman's and then we we get to you but you've got a, a full house now you've got three new kids building a family here Man. I don't think did we say that your newest one's a boy no, we didn't Which get to. Which we were to. really short on in our yes. in our company. We were like, we had this joke, Powell and Cody are really close to each other. If you lived in Powell, it was like an impossibility to have a little boy. <laughs> well, somehow we managed to buck the trend in, in our house and so had a little boy. Um, and so now I'm hoping I'm going to do it right and we're going to get him to be a hunter eventually. And so I'm really excited for that. Both of my girls, they enjoy the hunting, like bring home ducks, and that's this ritual where they come and play with them in the yard. Ella actually went with me dove hunting this year, so that's been fun, and there's a lot of hiking last summer, but as a dad, there's a special bond you want to have with a son, and so it's a desire that you have, and I love my little girls. It's an adventure that I never knew would be quite so much fun, but it's a different, you know, like it's a different thing you know and so that's that's been it's been weird and i say that because i'm used to two little girls you know we have conversations about that um pretty regularly like the differences in in gender but it's been fun to to do that and so 
you know, it's not the water. I can attest to that. How <laughs> Wyoming does, you know, occasionally produce a little boy. I got to tr- quit drinking Dasani. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's been fun. Um, we've thoroughly enjoyed, um, you know, our time in Powell. Um, you know, we reminisce pretty regularly about how much life has changed. I didn't have any kids when we moved to Powell, and I started working at Eastman's five years ago. Uh, well, I'm at six now, um, and so it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun doing that. Um, shared some great adventures. Um, Ike and I hopefully will do another llama trip if Brandon would stop drawing elk tags. And I don't know why he talks about calling it getting Brandoed. He does elk tags the last few years. Yeah, um, I've gotten spoiled lately for sure. But the first few years here was really rough. He paid his dues. Yeah, yeah did. he did pay his dues. So we'll hopefully he can come with us, and that's kind of what we're looking forward to next fall and being able to do that. But I'm honestly I'm more excited about seeing you know some of the. The properties we have, seeing them grow, nothing um, excites me more than seeing seeing growth and opportunity and how those things spur each other and work together. And so I'm excited about that with what we have going on here at the company. I'm excited to keep working at that. And I can't wait to see what um, subscribers have to say about Tag Hub, um, what they have to say about where we're going with Eastman's Elevated. I know the value to the listener is high, and that part really excites me. So cool. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, you're a huge asset to me at the company. You always get me filled in and uh, help me with the podcast so much. So, yeah, thanks. All right, Guy, you're the closer. Uh, I guess I don't know what to say. I guess I'll just talk. Uh, two, con- congratulations on 200 episodes. Thank you. Uh, you. You look like you're in pretty good shape for an 85-year-old man because that's what <laughs> I would be if I had to <laughs> produce 200 episodes of anything. That's how long it would take me. But you do a great job, Brian, on the podcast. I'm not a podcast guy i'm on a lot of them i've never listened to one so you guys tell me there are people listening to this and i believe you maybe this is all just a joke (laughs) (laughs) some kind of prank but i assume there's people out there listening so thanks to the audience uh you know when you guys came up with the concept of podcast i didn't understand it but same with the wing wing men and Whoa. Whoa. He said it right. <laughs> oh. how, much uh, did, how much did that both sting? Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's getting close to Christmas. I'm yeah. turning turn over a new leaf. <laughs> so, you know, thanks to everybody that makes this, this happen, mostly the audience and all the great guests you get and, and your hard work, Brian, and, and Todd's on the, the wingman side and Dan's on the the uh, Beyond the Grid side. You know, those are all new new things we, we've come up with and in the last five years less than that probably three years three years and uh they've all taken off and done done really well some of them i don't understand some of them i do but uh it's it's been a really wild ride but but an interesting ride and i think it's developed into something really valuable and also creates a lot of great content and value to the to our readership listenership whatever we want to call it but uh just, I'm going to close. Since Mike's not here, I'm going to channel my inner Mike Uh-oh. for everybody because I get to be him when he's not around <laughs> as, as the oldest son in the family. Uh, but I just always remember you guys talk about the family stuff and Mike and Gordon and all that and all that nostalgic stuff. Mike, one time when we were in the Northwest Territories, me, Mike, and Cameron, we almost died. And the only thing that Mike could say is he looked at Cameron and I and he said, this is one hell of a mess Gordon has got us into. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to part with that. It is one hell of a mess Gordon got us all into in this room in Cody, Wyoming. (laughs) That's pretty sure. 
Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for helping me keep up this elaborate prank on Guy that we got a podcast <laughs> going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, guys. That's a wrap. Um, again, really fun uh, podcast with those guys. I'm going to do more of those. Uh, those roundtable discussions are so fun. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys in on a, a little of the inner workings of the podcast and Eastman's Elevated. I started off this podcast, you know, with the guys saying they, they hired a, a decent podcast host and a horrible audio technician. <laughs> uh, you guys have bared with me uh, throughout the first 50 episodes where I really figured things out. Gosh, I missed recordings. It was... um yeah, okay. It, it was trying at times with the podcast, just trying to learn all the different programs and the editing and trying to bring you guys like high quality audio to listen to. Um, it's tough for me just to bow hunter, but I've kept with it. I keep reading. I keep learning. I keep trying to get better. So the next step of this is I could record four people on a podcast, on a live podcast, and I could actually do five, but um, it was pretty janky. I'd have to share a microphone with somebody. So we'd sit close to each other and then lean into the microphone every time we talk. So uh, we finally, we I, I uh, did all the research and I had to get some new equipment so I could record up to eight people on a podcast. So, um, man, I mean, I don't need to get into the technical side of this, but... I got everything I needed and then trying to get the right drivers and old models of my, um, oh, my editing software. It, uh, it was so trying. I had, I don't know how many hours into figuring out. I got everything all dialed in. I'm ready to record eight people. And then we, we go to a couple shows and things and I never end up using that because we never had more than four people. So we had planned this out that I was going to go there. We're going to record this 200th episode. The problem is, is I had sent all that audio gear that I had set up and tested here at my house. I had to send it over to Scott Reekers. Uh, we were going to try to do it. We we're going to try to do, I think, the 150th episode. We we're going to try to do over Skype with those guys. And it just didn't pan out where I could get good enough audio, me being here. And so we decided that I'd, that I'd run out and record it. And so we decided to do it for the 200th episode. So no worries. I've got everything tested. So I drive out there. So this is like an extra story on the podcast. Um, just so you guys can laugh at me as well as me laughing at myself. So 200 episode, I'm pretty dialed in at this point. I've got my system for editing and for recording. I don't make too many mistakes anymore. Although, you know, the next mistake could be around the next corner. You never know with me, but, um, yeah, I'm pretty dialed in at the process. I've got it figured out and, and how I need to set things up. And so we record one with Mike Eastman. I record that off the four mic setup. So I don't get any time with this eight mic setup and we're going back into, uh, uh, uh Ike's vacation rental. And I mean, the, the day is so action packed. You know, we go from recording a podcast, meeting about the, the podcast with everybody there. We're to lunch. Now we're back. So I've had no time to test or set up this eight mic setup. And so I get all seven guys into the room and I get there and I've got to set it up in front of everybody. No 15 minute head start. Now, if I would have planned this right, I would have given myself a little time to set things up to test it. But instead, like the pressure's on and I've got seven guys sitting there. No problem. I go to hooking up all my wires, all my stuff and turn it on and I can't hear out of the out of the headphones like I can only hear out of two of the headphones. And so I'm just panicked and sweats just rolling down my brow. And it's it's like I'm with my friends, but it's seven guys, six guys that you that you really respect. And, um, you know, and I, I always 
like no matter if I'm doing construction, if I'm doing the podcast, if I'm hunting, like I like to have my ducks in a row. I, I like to know what I'm doing, handle my business. I don't like making stupid mistakes. I don't like not knowing what I'm doing. Like I like to have a handle on things, you know, and so I get there, I get everything plugged in and I am sweating bullets. I can only make two of these headphones work. Uh, the audio is not coming through. And so also, now I just, I'm, I'm so flustered. I can't even read like the different, but I'm just pushing buttons, just trying to make things work. I, it, it only took about, you know, maybe five to 10 minutes of sweating bullets, trying to get everybody's mics to work and headphones to work. And I, I did get it all figured out under pressure, but man, oh man, was the pressure on. So the 200th episode almost didn't happen because of your audio technician, but, uh, we got it all figured out, recorded a really good one. Uh, I'm proud of it. And, um, you know, you just live and learn in life, like give myself an extra 15 minutes so I don't screw it up. But, uh, what a great fun podcast, man. That, guy is such a sniper you know sometimes he just sits back and he doesn't say much but boy when he goes to tell you something you know I I listen in because it's either going to have importance to it or he's going to crack you up laughing he's so good at at, uh, uh, getting the room to 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 laugh or saying the the right things you're stepping in so he's really fun man I always like hanging out with Ike uh, Ike is such a, a natural leader. He's the president at Eastman's. He does such a good job there. I mean, all those guys, I have a special friendship with each and every guy in there at Eastman's. So to be able to sit down with everybody and, and, and have a good back and forth and create a good podcast just means the world to me. So I did get it recorded, but boy, I was sweating bullets when I started this one. And, um, you, you know, you think by 200 episodes, you're going to get your audio figured out. And for the most part, I do. Uh, but every once in a while, I get a little curveball. So brought back some memories of starting the podcast for sure. But um, we got it all recorded. Awesome podcast. Thanks to those guys. And uh, I know I'm I'm due to get Brandon back on the podcast for a solo. He's had uh, a really good hunting season. Then Dan Picard, I mentioned his big bowl he shot this year. So happy and proud of that guy, man. He works really hard. He absolutely loves hunting giant bulls, and and he killed a giant one this year. Um, so cool to he- hear about that 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 deep wilderness, or maybe you can't film in wilderness. So it must have been big national forest, but just that backcountry that you can get back there and find those elk that haven't been hunted and and big bulls like that. I think that's so cool and. Um, I just love finding that epically good hunting. And, and I'm just coming back from epically good hunting late season. Man, man, was that a, a fun hunt in the deep snow. They're really tough to get close to and really challenging. You know, it's just it's just challenging just to, to be out there and to survive in that kind of cold weather. And, um, you know, it's a December hunt. It's a, a winter range uh, below zero temps. But just so fun chasing those things around. Man, was I close in bow range. But uh, couldn't make it happen for uh, Final Animal in 2019. But um, that's all right. I got my money's worth. Um, I got fun, adventure, um, challenge. It's made me better. I mean, I'm feeling my legs. You know, I can do 12, 15 miles in a day pretty easy. But you start doing that in a foot of snow, like just that extra exertion or that extra resistance on your legs. Man, my legs were on fire at the end of the day. Tons of elevation. Uh, It's just so fun. I did do a live podcast. Um, I just, um, spoiler alert, there's no... um, there's no harvest at the end of it. There's no success at the end of it. 
I think I'd still like to share it with you guys. It's just um, when you're on a hunt and, and in real time and three different trips down there I think I had to different units and things. One's with my buddy Dan up there. But just the trials and tribulations and the, the insight that you have when you're actually on a hunt I think is so valuable. So I don't know how many hours of audio I have. I'm hoping like, I don't know, maybe it's two, three hours, hopefully not four hours. That's a lot of audio, but it is just a, a solo podcast of me in real time trying to figure it out. So I think it'd be fun to share with you guys. So I'll, uh, I'll get all those recordings off my phone and try to edit those together for you guys and release that as a bonus. And I, I'm really excited to do a new year's podcast. I've been so, um, all in on these hunts, um, traveling around, trying to get things done, but it's nice to kind of, I'm going to get home here and get reset and, um, get working on all that, you know, all my, my, my new years, like just start, uh, really thinking about my goals for 2020 and, and my ways to accomplish them and, and, um, you know, what I want to improve on, what I want to get better at. And, uh, this uh, what what adventures I want to have in, in 2020. Man, did I have a bunch of good ones in 2019. It's been such a great season. Man, I'm I'm rambling on. I want to thank our sponsors again. Um, such great companies that, it, that have stood behind this podcast, which just means the world to me. Um, I also want to thank you guys, uh, the support of the podcast. Um, it's really humbling. You get this many guys that are just uh, listening to me talk about, you know, uh, uh, hunting and and listening t- into these conversations, man, it just means the world to me, guys. I'm always surprised uh, when I find out, you know, who's listening to the podcast and who supports the podcast. But it's really humbling. Thank you guys for all your support. Um, social media, podcast, the reviews, it all helps out. Um, and sharing it with your buddies, podcasts. It it's tough to it's tough to get new listeners. Like. Like uh, to convince somebody to listen to your podcast, there's so many good podcasts out there that it's it's tough to get these new listeners. And I think what really brings the new listeners is you guys sharing it with your friends. When your buddy tells you, hey, if you listen to this podcast, you got to listen to this one. There's some great information in here. This one really hit home with me or this is like RL cunning that we go on down and through here. So you guys, you know, spreading the word of the podcast is really what's grown it. Um. Man, so awesome. Cheers, guys. Um, first 200 down. Uh, I just want to keep this thing rolling and, and continue to be passionate about the podcast, passionate about my hunting and the hard work that goes into it. So, um, man, I don't want to I don't want to close off the podcast because I feel like I'm ending the podcast, but it's just ending the 200th episode. And uh, I'm going to have 201 uh, headed your way before long. But, uh, man, it's just been an awesome ride. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. And um, with that, I'll check in with you next year and next week.